Hey, ladies, you may know that this whole week I'm with you live in the I'm Ready Retreat. I want you to get a glimpse of what's going on there. You can always join us live inside our Facebook group or get all the video replays and the homework exercises by registering at yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat. We have over 200 women registered from all over the world and the energy inside our private Facebook group is unbelievable. So come on over, register and head over there. But here's a taste of what's been happening inside the retreat. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Here we are. We are ready. We are live. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, ladies. Start telling me who's here. Where are you joining us from? I know we have new ladies in our group. I want to see in the comments, where are you joining us from? Hey, Marcy. Hey, Marcy. Justina's here. Wonderful. Justina, thank you for everything that you've been doing behind the scenes. Welcome, everybody. Oh my gosh, that homework, ladies, that homework was amazing. Really, I want to hear I want to hear in the chat. How how was that for you? Because I I read through a lot of the homework and some of it was so moving. Literally, I, I saw a lot of just the recognition of growing up with scarcity, scar- scarcity. My husband always makes fun of me because I don't know how to pronounce that word. So, oh, well, scarcity. I don't know. Anyway, there was a lot of that that I saw a lot of the feast and famine and, and we, we, you know, and a lot of the, I'm ready to change that. I'm ready to change that paradigm. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to dive into that on day four. New York is here. My dear sister-in-law, Denver is here. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Okay. And I know we have new people. Welcome. If you weren't here yesterday, hopefully you caught the replay. Let me tell you a little bit of what I want us to, what I'm really ready to see after these five, oh, think scarcity. Oh, thank you, Justina. What I really want to see, I was thinking last night as I was going through the homework entries, I'm really ready to see after five days together, I'm ready to see women who are moving from that paradigm of, thank you, Justina, scarcity. to one of abundance. And we're going to get, like I said, we're going to get into that on day four um, very specifically. But I want to start seeing that shift happening. And I know it will happen. And I want to see women who are starting to take an active role in their financial lives. And Notice that I was very careful to say an active role. I didn't say control. This, we often, you know, you often hear that, oh, you have to take control over your finances. I'm very careful with that because really control is we don't really have control over the results. We have no control over that. We know that as Jews, that God is in control of all the results, but that does not exempt us from taking action and actually taking control over the things, the three things, I should say, that we do have control over according to Judaism. And maybe some of my students might know already this. You've heard it from me. What are those three things? There are thoughts, our speech, 
and our actions. That's what we can control. We don't control results. We can control how we think, how we speak, how we behave. Therefore, when we talk about an active role in our money, in our finances, we want, we mean, I mean that we want to be less of passive spectators in this area and really take control over how we think, how we speak, and how we behave with our money. Yes. Okay. Can we do this? Can we do this? You think you can do this? Tell me in the chat. Give me a big yes. If you think you can do this, because I know you can, and we're going to do this. I tell you, we are. Houston, Texas is here right around the corner from my house. Good to see you, Shoshana. Yes, yes, yes. I see some hearts. Excellent. We can do this. Yes, Lanny. And I also want to add to that. Really, I want to start seeing that also women who make more money or Actually, I should say that in a better way, who create the habits that help us generate more money in our lives, bringing more of that blessing of abundance of material prosperity down into our lives and not because money is the end, as we said yesterday, but rather because money is a means. It's a means to fulfill the potential of our core essential serve uh, core essential self <laughs> and to serve yes that was good self our core essential self to serve our creator and you're going to hear me say this over and over again you're not going to get tired of it i hope but i really really i want to see women who will get so aligned with their deepest self that they're taking the actions to bring more of that material blessing into their lives because it's coming from a place of alignment, alignment with mission, alignment with soul, alignment with God Almighty, and not from a place of ego, of self-centeredness, or of what is somebody else going to think? And what is my sister-in-law, my neighbor? And what do people expect? No, no, no. What is what what does my soul demand of me? What does my creator expect of me? Not what anybody else, right? So these are important differences. And and you're going to see that shift start happening throughout these five days, that, that, that awareness. Okay. And I want to take you also to a place where we start losing this whole, the worry and the concerns about money, but rather that our concern really should be whether I'm fulfilling my mission in this world. Because as you know, or I don't know if you know, but I'm going to tell you, if you listen to my podcast, you probably heard me say this over and over again, really the money is a natural byproduct of that. Okay. We don't have to be concerned about money. We have to be concerned about our contribution, our service, our role as agents of God, as partners with God in creation. This has to become our focus. And today we're going to dive into a really, really specific way in which we actually do that, not abstract, but really concrete. Okay. So I want to get you to that place where you're starting to see yourself as going straight to the source, connected with the source of the money above. We're not worried about the money itself because we're relying on the only source, which is God Almighty, and we're aligned with our mission, our purpose, okay? So these are pretty ambitious goals. Um, as you can tell, I'm a pretty ambitious lady, but I know that we can do this. We've done this. I've done this before. I know we can do this. And of course, there's layers of you know, layers to unpack of each of these goals that I just explained, all these things that we can go deeper and deeper, which is we, which we do. And that's why I definitely have a program. Like I told you yesterday, I do have a 10 week coaching program, which I'm going to tell you about. But right now in five days, so, so condensed in this space, staying active, staying engaged, doing the work. I know you can achieve a lot of this. Okay. So we have a lot to do. So 
Let's get to it. We know from yesterday that we have perhaps limited perspectives, perceptions, even maybe negative about money and that um, we have an individual money story. We started to sort of uncover that, which is impacting the way we behave with money. And if we're married, it impacts our marriage too, right? And we understand now that there is a very clear Jewish perspective and distinct Jewish perspective and that adopting it and applying it, which we're going to start doing today, can really change so much of our financial reality. So one of the best ways that we can be that agent of service that I mentioned before of God and his world is by giving and I know you know this intuitively, intuitively, right? Because one of the one of the things that I hear the most from my audience, which they note as a pain point, actually, is I want to give more. I wish I could give more. Is that the some? Can somebody relate to that? Tell me in the chat. Hey, Denise from Panama. Hey, Hannah Victor. Hey, Julie. Yes. Yes, you can do this. I know you can do this. Tell me if that is maybe something I've heard it over and over again when I have I have questionnaires that I have all my students go through and you know this really comes up. I wish I could give more. And the truth is, ladies, I want you to know that there really isn't anyone in this room in this virtual space of ours. <laughs> Hannah can relate to it. Delphine can relate to it. There really isn't any one of us here who isn't a giver. We are givers. And and not not only us here, really, the Jewish people in general, we we are inherently generous people with our time, with our talents, with our money. It's it's embedded in our spiritual DNA as the descendants of Abraham, of Avram Avinu, right? So today's Jewish secret is giving, but it's not giving in the way that some of us might be thinking. We're going to get really specific and really clear on what giving, financially that is, really should look like in practice. I'm going to share a little bit of an embarrassing story, but it's important that I share it. As I said, I'll preface this again by saying that we're all givers, right? And I think you will agree, you would agree with that. But if we go back to the last recession, remember I mentioned this yesterday, how that 2008. <laughs> I remember that one of the first things to go out the window for my husband and I was our giving. And again, this is embarrassing, but it's important. See, you know, before there was the crisis, my husband and I, you, you, we used to give charity and you could, and often, and you could even say generously, like pretty generously, you could say, But I realized when we were going through that crisis that there had been a huge flaw in our financial operating system. And that was this idea of if we have, we give. Therefore, remember, we're in a crisis. Once there was a crisis, well, it's a recession. We can't give. There really isn't enough for more to give from. And this might make financial sense, but it does not, ladies. It does not make Jewish financial sense. Let me tell you something really interesting. There are, and you might want to take notes on this, there are four ways in which we can allocate our money. 
think you're pretty, you know this, right? We can spend it, we can save it, we can invest it, invest it, and we can give it. In strict financial terms, according to normative personal finance, that last one I mentioned, giving, usually happens after everything else. Any financial professional will tell you, first, we take care of saving, investing, spending, and then if there's anything left, of course, by all means, we get. Ladies, Judaism flips this financial paradigm on its head. We Jews give first. We have a mitzvah to give ma'aser. Depending on your accent, we call it meiser, ma'aser. That's a minimum 10% of our after-tax earnings to charity. We don't give after everything else has been taken care of. A few pairs of shoes, the Nordstrom's annual sale, which we all love, the new iPhone. I don't know, whatever it is. No, no, no. We give first from the top line. Money comes in, 10% goes out. Because guess what? This was never our money, right? Thank you, Joe. Yes, it's so beautiful. This was never our money. This is money that God has deposited with me trusting that I will manage that money wisely. And some of that money is for me, yes, but some of it is for me to allocate on his behalf. I'm just an agent. I'm just a fiduciary agent. I have a fiduciary responsibility towards God Almighty, the source of the money. Are we getting this? Yes. Now it's everything's starting to, it all ties together. Okay. And so when we, if, if we have an attitude of, giving when and if I can, that really presupposes that the money that I earn is the product of my own efforts. And I, I'll tell you something, as much as I'd like to believe that that's true, I bet this will be your experience too. The more, you know, the years, as years go by, and the more we see the ebbs and flows of our financial lives, we learn, at least I've learned, they've taught me, that whatever money I have in my bank account at any given moment is really there only because God deposited that money with me. And more importantly, implicit, implicit in that deposit is his trust that I will manage the money wisely. Okay. Super, super important. Super, super powerful. Yes. It's a beautiful concept and it's going to get even more beautiful because we're going to go deeper in this because we are talking here and tell me in the chat if you're loving this. Drop me, tell, drop me a one. If this is starting to resonate, if this is like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Listen, I want to, I want to tell you something. We're talking here about a 90 10 partnership with God where we take 10% of our income and we give it to charity. And God guarantees the other 90%. Ma'aser is the guarantee that we will have the 90% that we need. And by the way, where else do we get guaranteed financial returns like that? Somebody tell me, please. You don't. That's the truth. You really don't, right? When the Talmud, this is going to blow your minds. When the Talmud discusses the Torah verse that talks about tithing, tithing is maser, taking tithes. It says, you shall set aside a tenth. Okay. That's what it says. When the Talmud references that verse and, and, and expounds on it, right? It explains 
give a tenth in order that you will become wealthy. It's an incredible concept. And I used the word earlier, if you noticed, I said guaranteed, right? I said guaranteed 90%. This is really because it's a security backed by God himself. He says, not only does it say, say explains in the Talmud that, that we're, he, God guarantees wealth to those who tithe, but God even says, test me on it. We have verses that say, that God says, test me on this mitzvah. We're not allowed to test God on any mitzvah, on any, any, any other deed. But when it comes to tithing, when it comes to this partnership to giving, God says, let me show you, test me, put me, put me to the test. Let me show you how I will fill your storehouses with abundance. You can look it up. I can put the, the, the verse later on the chat. Okay. And I, I, and I, I have yet to see a person who doesn't see this in their lives. But here is the catch. Here's something super important that we need to know. And, and, and very often we miss it. Okay. We can't estimate neon bold letters, ladies. We cannot guess. We can't just play by estimate. It says very clearly, do not tithe by guesswork. We have to be precise. You want to estimate with your numbers, you with your business, with, go ahead. That, that, that's up to you. But when it comes to God's money, God's business, we have to be precise. Okay. So it's, it's all about the details, right? And unfortunately, what we see is that, and I, I, again, this is part of the, the paradigm that I was part of, right? Is that most of us kind of just estimate because we, and we, we are givers. We really are. So we assume that we're well over that 10%. Remember, we're all givers, right? But let me tell you something I've learned. And I see this every day in my work. Just like we underestimate how much we spend, and you know that we do that, we also overestimate how much we give. And there's been studies done on this. You can look up Dana Israeli has done tremendous amount of studies on this. If we don't have a system to track and calculate and keep up with and keep up with our meister in a systematic way, we will naturally underestimate. Sorry, we will naturally overestimate how much we give. In fact, it's really outstanding. But if, if you take the average, the average American Jew in America, right? Without a system of giving, and again, many of us fall in that category, myself included in the past, okay? If we don't have a system to give first, to give Meister properly, when we tally all those contributions to the local federation, the shul membership, synagogue membership, the JCC, the Friends of the IDF, all those wonderful things that we do, we get to about 5% of income. On a good on a good case we get to about 6%. This is mind-boggling. It's a real it's a far cry from that 10%, right? So we have to be precise, precise. And there's more to this. Yes, somebody's making a donation right now. Amazing. How beautiful. There's really more to this because the Talmud explains to us that the moment that we skirt our obligation as wealth managers, that's what we are. We are wealth managers, right? We're agent, we're fiduciary agents of God Almighty. The roles of that partnership swap. 
meaning our partner, God, now keeps 90% and we get the 10th, the 10%. We get the tithe. That's insane. When we don't tithe the income that God is giving us, we will receive just the tithe. And I don't know about you ladies, but that's a risk that I'm not willing to take. I'm not taking that risk. Who is with me? Who isn't willing to take that risk and would rather go for the secured guaranteed returns? The real deal. Who is, who is with me and is not willing to take that risk? Yes. Yes. I see a lot of give me, give me, give me a yes in the comments. I love that title. I wonder what the title was. I missed that. I missed that. I have a student. Jacqueline says, yes, she does. You're not taking that risk. No, we're not taking that risk, ladies. No more. We're getting, we're really doing this the right way. Okay. I have a student who who used to tell me, do I have because I give or do I give because I have? And she used to say, the answer is I have because I give. And that's right. I have because I give, right? I remember I remember a few years ago, I was reading, um, I, I, I want to say it was like the OU magazine. It was like a Jewish magazine. Um, and there was an interview with a Jewish philanthropist. And I always say, I wish I'd saved this article, but they were interviewing this man. I think he had given somewhere upwards of a million dollars. Okay. And in that interview, this person asked him about, you know, his, his giving and whatever. And he said something really powerful. He said, I want you to know. <laughs> That you don't give a million dollars if you haven't first given 10, 100, 1,000, 1,800. If this hasn't become your habit, if this hasn't become your way of behaving when you only had enough to give 10 or enough to give 100 or enough to give 180, you don't, my friends, become a giver of a million dollars. It's pretty profound. It's pretty profound. So there is a system so that this becomes habitual. This becomes part of our nature. How do we do it? How do we set up that Jewish financial system, as I like to call it, right? So it's actually quite simple. You set up a separate bank account that you consistently will fund with 10% of your after-tax earnings. It's I like to call it a simple structure with impressive returns. So we set up a separate bank account and money comes in, 10% goes into that account. And you can even, you know, talk about thought, speech, and action. It's so important to get into like the narrow linguistic programming, right? The speech is so important. You can give your, your separate bank account that's designated for, for tithing, for MICER, an inspiring name, something that really resonates with you. I mean, I don't know, you could call it charity account, you could call it Sadaka account, you could call it Meister account, you could call it God's blessings. That's the name that we use is actually in our family. We call it Hashem's blessings. And it's really cute because even our kids know, right? So this is all really important. It's part of this conversation, right? Our children need to know that this is a value of the family. This is something that's actually practiced with specificity and with detail and with consistency. But you could give it whatever that name that inspires you. You know, now with technology, it's so cool because we can have sub accounts and we can name our accounts and all that. So we can do that. That's just taking it that step further, right? And then when we sit in those 
money dates, which I haven't introduced to you, but I will probably talk about them tomorrow. I like to, I, I like to call these like little meetings with my money, money dates, right? When you, when you do those, then you can log into your MISER account, whatever you've called it, and you can decide to which causes, to which institutions you're going to be giving to, right? Or you know how we get those WhatsApp messages. Unfortunately, as we, as I said, we're still in Excel. It's a pretty dark Excel and we still have a lot of work to do in the world. We're almost done, but we have work to do and we get WhatsApp messages. Unfortunately, people really need right now. I don't know. There's a widow. There's a tragedy. Somebody needs medical treatment. Literally within seconds, we can, and the click of a button, we can go out on our phone, log into our tithe account or MISER account and deploy the funds to whoever needs them. Okay. So. This is how the system works. Now, to be really clear with you, that the minimum of MISER, the minimum of, uh, of tithing um, is 10%, okay? And that can go up to 20%. So I just want to be clear because you may have heard that. And even in the case of extreme wealth, one could give more. But the regular range is 10 to 20%. And the reason for Jewish, the code of Jewish law to specify a range, okay, is because we don't want to get to a point where we are going to become the recipients of tzedakah ourselves, okay? So again, everything is very, very specific. The blessings, the everything in Judaism happens to be very specific. And in this case, there's no exception, right? There's a divine system here. There's a divine order as we're building the vessel to receive wealth, to receive abundance. There's a, we want to make it precise. We don't want the vessel to have leaky holes, to be leaky, right? There's a system here that we follow. There's a system that acknowledges the ebbs and the flows of the money. Okay. So we have a range, a minimum of 10%. And for those who can, up to 20%. Okay. And even somebody who you should know that even somebody who receives charity themselves, who's a recipient of tzedakah, they also have a requirement to give 10%. Somebody was sharing a beautiful story the other day. I think it was Rebetzin Young Rice. She was saying that in, in one of her books or somewhere, she shared that one time she got out of the cab in Manhattan and there was somebody asking for money and she gave him money And then she sees that he turned around and of that money, he literally split it. I don't know if she gave him like a bunch of coins or whatever it was. He split it with somebody else. And he says, look, like there is such a notion, like even somebody who's receiving gifts. And that's what we have. We have that requirement. Even somebody who's receiving tzedakah is supposed to share. Again, it's all coming from one source, right? It's independent of how you got it right? And we're in this partnership. So we share, we give 10%. Okay. So really, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we really want to be givers, really, we like really in the real sense of the word, not like, because there's a lot of this, there's a lot of talk and in other cultures about giving again, it's all beautiful and it's wonderful. And I think everybody should adopt it and everybody should do it. But we have to know what is the way that we need to be doing it. We have to understand. We have to go back to that Jewish perspective, that Jewish paradigm, okay? We have to give the Jewish way. And it's not enough to say, well, I okay, I give tzedakah. I want to be clear. My sir is part of tzedakah. Tzedakah, which is a term that we're all so familiar with, and it's so, so, so important. Miser is part of tzedakah. Tzedakah is not miser. Tzedakah really is anything above and beyond miser. Did you know that? 
Yes, Shoshana, it's a marvelous idea. It's a fantastic idea. And, and I'm not the one to, who came up with this. This is practiced by many, many people. It really keeps everything really organized. And if you want to go the extra mile, we can even have a spreadsheet, which I have, which also tracks it. But at the very least, we have to have a separate MISER account. Okay. It really makes it makes sure that the partnership is happening. Like we're taking this seriously, right? You have an investment account, you have savings accounts, excuse me, we need a MISAR account. That's it. That's the bare minimum. By the way, it's really interesting, but it's because it's like, if you want to cultivate the habit of saving and investing, look, let's start with this. We get this, we get into that practice. Everything flows from there. It's the same exact practice for our savings or investings. But the first thing, the basis, where the starting point needs to be this MISER account, okay? So what was I saying before? Oh, I was talking about Tzedakah, yes, okay? So Tzedakah is, tzedakah is anything above, I think I, I think I shared with you, yes, above anything above MISER, above and beyond. But it also, we should know that it also includes our time, and other, other resources, our talents. Okay. So it's, it's anything in, and it's above MISER. So that is something that we all have to do. And again, we have it in us. We are generous people, but we have to be sure that we're fulfilling our minimum obligation of tzedakah, which very specifically is called MISER. Okay. So if we want to be a giver and we all do, we've got to create a system where we're always giving no matter what. And God designed it this way, right? He designed it in a way that we're always going to be in that giving position, right? Because once we have this system in place, that really allows us that we're always going to be giving. We just have to log in and we have, we give and, and you don't, you don't even feel like, you know, like right now, maybe if you don't have such a system, like you have to look, do I have enough cash flow to make this donation? No, no, no. Like the money is there. The money's there always, every, whenever you get paid, every time it gets filled and then it gets emptied, filled, emptied, filled, emptied on a consistent basis. It's like, I was telling my students, it's the, the only bank account that you're supposed to be so happy every time it drops down to zero, right? That's the way it should be, right? We're always in that position. God designed the system so that we're always in that position to be givers. We're really emulating his ways. And that's something that we're supposed to do, right? And like I said, even somebody who received my uh, tzedakah has to give miser. It's just part of what we have to do, right? And I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I've seen this time and time again, but I can tell you my, in my personal life, in my personal life also, like, Ever since we changed that and we got really serious about this and we took it, we took it to heart and and really executed, created a system and we started giving MISER and then later on uh, 20%, right? Systematically, really, I just, it was like this thing that I saw the, it was the biggest thing that I saw that transformed our financial situation with the most immediacy, I want to say. That's what it was. And I see it time and time again, not just in my life, but I see it in my students' life. It's, 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 it's proven it works because it's meant to work. It's a divine system, but we have to take it. We have to be again, a responsible agent, right? We have to accept our responsibility. We have to accept our responsibility as agents, as luminaries, right? As ambassadors of God in this world. And if we talk about. <laughs> scarcity. <laughs> if we talk about abundance, really, if you think about it, it's something that automatically expands our mindset, right? 
because it's shifting you into that abundance mindset because we're giving. So when we're giving, there's nothing that makes you feel more abundant than giving. Is that not right? Tell me in the chat, right? Do you agree with that? That there's really nothing that makes you feel more abundant than giving? I want to see in the chat. I want to see in the chat. Yes, Hannah, you're wanting to do this. Well, that now is the time. Now is the time. Yes, Excel spreadsheet to track it. Beautiful. Wonderful. Yes, yes, Julie. Yes. Right? We feel so abundant and we feel the gratitude, right? It's just, we're, in a, we're coming from a different place when we're in a position to give. And here I'm saying we can be givers all the time, right? We think like givers. In fact, it's so important that our sages encourage the practice of miser giving to be constant, to be, we're not meant to do this once a year at the end of the fiscal year when we're filing our taxes and we're squaring things out and doing our accounting. I mean, that's, that's good, but really we're not meant to do it like that. It's meant to be something high touch that we're very in touch with, that we're constantly giving, which is why we're separating all these funds as soon as they come in. Why that is so, 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 so crucial. Okay. And so, by the way, you should know, so is the custom to have what you probably all have in your home, which is a tzedakah box or a pushka, as we call it in Yiddish, right? It's, it's that concept that we're giving charity daily. And one of the great tip I'll give you, I learned this from my good friend, Marty Scherer. And I love that I started implementing this years ago. Basically, what she says is, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You pull out from your bank's MISER account, you pull out, I don't know, $100, $180. You go to the teller in the bank, okay? You pull that out in coins. And you put them in a little box next to your tzedakah box where you're going to be putting your coins every single day. And when we light Shabbat candles, it's good to even give double right before we light our candles, right? So before we pray every morning, we set our day with the intention of being givers, right? So we're going to be putting coins. So we've taken that money already from our Miser account. We have it ready. We put our coins. At the end, when it's all finished and the, the right, we've, we've put all the money, all we have to do is log into our bank account, send the money to whoever we want, and then we empty the contents of the soccer box and we rinse and repeat. We start over again. So this is just a nice little practical tip that I came from Margie that I, I really, really love um, for us who want to be able to just like, every day be in that habit of giving. And something that I've said before on the show, you may have heard me say this. Also, it's a beautiful, beautiful custom, not just to have a tzedakah pushka, tzedakah box in our in our homes, which I'm sure pretty much all of us do have, but actually something that the Lubavitcher Rebbe has taught us is to have a tzedakah box that is actually nailed to the walls of your home, um, specifically the kitchen, but anywhere in your home, because it makes it part of the edifice. It makes it part of the structure of your home. It's like, it's, it's a value. It's a part of this household. It's something that we stand for. Okay. We're going to talk about values a little bit further on and maybe tomorrow. So this is also a beautiful concept. I could show you, I could, I could send you pictures in my house. We have it. We have the Tzedakah Pushka nailed into the wall. Okay. And this is, you know, most of the sages throughout the ages from, from like, you name it, the Chofetz Chaim, the Alter Rebbe to all the Rabbeim of Chabad. They've all said how praiseworthy it is to give these smaller sums frequently than to wait to give a large sum. So again, we have a system where the money's separated. It's going there. Now we can deploy it consistently throughout the weeks, throughout the months, right? 
We're giving consistently. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge amount every time, but we're constantly giving. And why? Why are they so emphatic that this is the better way to give? Because one of the many reasons given is that one who gives a large lump sum once a year, you know, like, like I said before, like, okay, well now I'm getting ready for my taxes. Okay. How much should have been my charitable contributions? Oh, this is what should be. I give no, no, no. So one who does that, who gives a one large lump sum once a year will only think about giving, will only think about Sadaka once a year, right? But one who gives small sums frequently, what are we doing? We'll always be thinking about tzedakah. We're always going to be in that mindset of giving, right? Right? It, 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 this is what molds a person's character by making him into someone who's really a giver, who's really always looking for opportunities to give, who's ready to give, who's ready to contribute, who's standing up for that partnership, who's saying, here I am. I am an agent of God, right? Cool. Great idea. Okay. Yes, Margie is the best. I agree. She had a birthday this week. Okay. And let me see if there's any comments, any questions. Okay. I know there's going to be a lot of questions on this idea because usually there are, because I, I do want to say that, you know, as specific as I'm getting there, there are nuances to this and every particular case and financial situation might have its questions. And that's why it's important to to know who to ask, to have somebody who's really a halakhic authority who can answer your specific questions. But, you know, one of the things that sometimes comes up for people that I deal with a lot is talking about financial paradigms and financial systems is that when we have debt, and I'm talking about high interest debt, I'm not talking about our mortgage, I'm not talking about, you know, our car payment, very often what we find is, and, and this can be a little disappointing, but it also is a great, I find that it becomes a great motivator for my students is that very often we're going to be told, um, that really we should not be giving MICER yet until we get rid of that debt. Um, so because we can't be putting ourselves more into debt. So to give to others. So it's, it's a complicated situation. And it's like, it's so painful sometimes for my students to realize it's like a sober reality because, you know, again, we want to have these financial systems properly in place. We're ready to do this, but so, so often we're, we're on high interest debt and so, and so much of that. And, you know, I'm talking about like credit card loans and personal loans that when we ask the question to arrive, we see that it's like, take care of paying those first before you start contributing money to your MISER account. And it's, again, it's really hard for people to say that. And I also often have to, to see, to hear that. I often have to deliver the news, but it's also a great motivator, right? To say, wait, I really have to get my finances in order. Again, if I want to be a giver of this magnitude, I got to get rid of this debt so that I can really start really tithing from my income and not be taking what would have been the tithe and putting it into the debt, right? So we want to be able to have this. We want to be able to be in this partnership with God. It is sobering, right? We use a spreadsheet. Excellent, Brandy. Yes, I think is. No, no. Yeah. You after taxes. Exactly. Usually, Rebecca, usually your paycheck will come already having taxes removed. If that's not the case, 
then usually people would set aside what they're going to be, what their accountant says you should estimate for taxes. You're going to be setting us out in a separate account, right? So then after that, then you would tithe. And then if you need to square the math at the end of the year, of course you have to do that. So, you know, it requires a, obviously a, a level of organization. It's really funny because we talked about the 80% being awareness yesterday. And I want to tell you something else. Personal finance, honestly, it's also like it's 80% organization. It really isn't that complex. It just requires that we're very organized. Um, if I look, yes. So, yes. So you want to, you, Victoria, you want to keep a tally of that. You want to keep a record of your giving so that then you can make sure at the end of the year. And we tend to do this in the last month of the year, Elul, right before Rosh Hashanah. Um, you know, if we decide to count our year as, you know, from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, then it's a good time to really do that accounting and say, okay, did I really tithe properly throughout the year? Do I owe any, owe anything? Then that's the time to really give it right before Rosh Hashanah. Obviously, anyway, that time of year is a, is a time of year where we usually kind of like increase and really go try to go above and beyond. Um, but it's definitely the time of year where we want to make sure that we are we fulfilled our obligations. So yes, you want to do that. Yes, Karen, we can get a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet. I will put the link. I want to say that the link to that spreadsheet is in the following uh, link. I'm saying it by heart. So I will double check for you, but I'm pretty sure it's jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash um, tithe tracker. I'm not sure. I'm going to check. Maybe Justina's going to check and put it in the chat. I'm pretty sure we're going to we're going to let you know later. But yes, I do have a free tracker, a free spreadsheet that you can just copy or you can download and you can track that. Um because it is important to track it. But I th- but but I I I want you guys to get this. We're going to track it, but we have to create an account where we're holding that money. Again, because otherwise it's just a mess. We want to create a system and I've d- seen this done successfully by ever trust me i ask a lot of people this is the way to do it we want to have a separate account that's just for that that's the system okay anything else that is coming i want to see if this is starting to hit home and i want to share with you before we close off today i really want to share with you another story that i know i wanted to tell you yesterday um let me see let me see let me see okay i'm not seeing anything you're saying when you pay attention okay Oh, thank you, Lanny. Yes, that is one of the podcasts. That's perfect. That's a podcast episode where I talk about this and I'm pretty sure the link to the net, the, the tithe tracker is also there. But I want to share with you a story before I share with you the winner of the homework and the homework for today. We were discussing yesterday happens to be that I have a student who, by the way, they are very meticulous about their, their, their miser and they do what I've told you. But one of the things that we've been, um, we've noticed is the, the money story. Again, I want to go back to that money story because I, I, I saw so much of that homework, right? And in the case of the student, I shared with you my money story yesterday, and I shared a little bit about Barbara Stanny's money story. And I want to share with you this one because I think it's a powerful one where this this person lost their mother, unfortunately, at a very, very young age. And it turns out that she had amazing caregivers, so beautiful. Her grandparents took care of her and there were beautiful um, friends who had promised her mother that they would 
that she would never lack anything. And she says, look, I never lacked anything. Like literally, like, I don't even know how it happened, how it was that I, even though I was an orphan, I, I guess she, her father was absent and, um, but she never lacked anything. And yet now in adulthood, it's a very interesting thing that, that she's seeing. And that's something that we're working on where even though she and her husband are very high income earners, and I'm talking over half a million dollars a year. Okay. The money just goes and it just goes and it's not set aside for, you know, the, the real meaningful things that they want. And there's like all this stress and something that we've, we've started to uncover is how that little child really learned to associate the, the money with the love that was missing. It's, it was like, almost like, but I don't want this. I want my mother. I don't want this. I want my mother, right? You're, you know, I'm a six year old child. I don't, I, I, you're giving me all this and I, but it's, 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 it's not my mother. And she kind of like made that decision as a child. And as an adult, it's, it's, it's reflect, it's like being reflected in her behavior. Like she has all of this beautiful abundance. And yet it's like, I, I don't want it. Like it just goes. It's like whatever the way it just disappears, not, it's not being treated properly because there's something in here that needs to be healed. And so. Again, I just want us to be aware that these things are so part of us and they can be worked on and they are worked on. And, and, you know, it, it, it's all a combination of mindset work and mechanic because I want to go back to one other point that I've, I think I've said to you before. I said to you yesterday about the action, right? We have to have the actions are going to generate new thoughts, new emotions that then generate newer, different actions. So really it boils down to the actions, but we have to be aware of where that unhealed child or, or that, you know, more animalistic maybe self, that other side of ours, ours that might not want to tithe, might not want to give, right? We got to know ourselves. We got to know what we're coming up against again. So there's this like thin balance between both, but we got to act. We can't stay in the theory. So Putting a tithing system in place is a way to act, is a way to change our behavior. And it's a way, again, if we're doing this consistently, we're already shaping the way that we're thinking, right? The way that we're thinking, we're always thinking of the opportunity. It's always, and we're, we're, we're like, every time that we sit with our money, it's like, okay, everything is in the MySTOR account. Oh, this is my, who, who needed money? You know, it's like, it's, it's constantly part of our, of our, of our being, of what we do. Okay. So I want to make sure should mice come from your personal account or of your business? Okay. So this is a great question, Nicole. We go a little bit more into deep into depth into it in my 10 week coaching program. But in general, your mice is coming from the money that you pay yourself. So the money that you pay yourself from your business, i.e. your salary, once you are pulling money into yourself. Okay. That's what you're tithing. And if you're an employee and you get paid, then that's what you're tithing. So I hope that helps your expense. So again, again, this is, so somebody's asking, what if your expenses don't allow you to take 10% each paycheck? So this is what I'm saying. Okay. It, in general, tithing needs to happen before expenses. This is the magic before expenses. Now I will say there are very extreme circumstances where a person can't really can't put a roof over their hair, head or food where we are allowed. And you have to ask your local halakhic, halakhic authority or your expert in Jewish law. 
about your circumstance, if you're allowed to deduct some expenses like rent or mortgage, or maybe even food before you tithe. Okay. So there could be that possibility for very extreme cases. Again, Jewish law is always gray. It's not black and white. Okay. But the principle remains that we had the basic principle is we need to be giving first. So it's like I said, you know how we say, you know, the, the normative personal finance is save, invest, spend, and then give. We're flipping that on its head. Our system is give, then save, invest, and spend. Okay, so we have to get this really clear. We're completely flipping it on its head. We're not taking care of our expenses before. That's not what the partnership is. The partnership is there's, there's, you get a certain amount. 10% of that is not yours. You can't use it for expenses because it was never yours. That's what guarantees your 90%. Now, if we don't do that, as I said, unfortunately, what happens is the terms of the partnership flip over, right? And then God gets a 90 and we get the 10. We get the tithe. Okay. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to be in that position. So we got to get the system right. We got to take it seriously. Pay the tithe first, then pay yourself. Exactly. You know, there's this famous book. It's a fantastic book. And anybody who's in business would really apply this. Um, profit first. And there's this also this, this, this term, this, this term in personal finance to pay yourself first. Yes, we pay ourselves first, but we really pay ourselves second. Okay. We tithe and then we pay ourselves, which would be the savings and investing, which is a whole other topic. But again, establishing a system of tithing already sets you up because it's really the same system. It really is. If we automate our tithing, we're already learning the habit and the mechanic of how does a person really have to save and invest? Okay. Yes, Hannah, just flip it. Okay. What I want to do right now, what I want to do right now, tithing is not something that is like based on a Rav's decision, right? This is literally like, this is the system. Then there are specifics, Hannah, okay, for a particular financial situation of a given person that yes, they should consult with an expert in Jewish law. But the general concept, this is applies to every single individual, every single Jew, okay? So super, super important that we get this because we really want to be givers. And we, in order to be givers, we really have to take it up a notch. Okay. It's not enough to say, Oh, again, we can't estimate. We can't guess. It's not enough to guess. We have to really be very, very specific. Okay. So should I be telling you the winner of today's raffle first, or should I be telling you the homework first? I don't know. What should, what should I do? What should I tell you first? Tell me in the chat. Tell me in the chat. I'm looking for the winner, by the way. I'm looking. Oh, here. I found her. All right. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the homework first. You're going to like this homework. Believe me, you're going to like it. Okay. Here's what we're going to do today. Okay. I want you to write the following. Number one. And Justina is going to put it in the thread and you're going to answer in the thread. Homework. Everybody's voting for homework. Okay. So I made the right decision. Okay, fine. Justina is going to put it in the thread. Here's what we're doing. We are going to tap into our abundant side and really get creative and take pen to paper and say, okay, and I do this every Rosh Hashanah, before every Rosh Hashanah, but I want you guys to do it now, which is a great thing because it's the beginning of the fiscal year. So it's a great time to do it. I want you to say, how much Meister, how much tithe do you want to give this year? Give it a number, give it a number. It's, it's really important that we start doing things like this. What is it that I want to give? And then we're going to take it a step further. And number two, 
we're going to write the allocation of that Meister. In your dream, in your, what you, in your desire, what you want, why you feel like that this is what you want to do, okay? How would you give it? To what causes? To what would you like that money to go to? And be specific in dividing amounts. Like if, you know, let's say you say, I want to, you know, divide, divide the amount. How much of that total amount that you wrote in your paper you want to go for Jewish education and for this person and for this widow? Like divide it allocate it if it's if you have more than one cost in mind which many of us do okay if it's one thing okay what's your one thing but if it's several things divide it the way you ideally would do it it's a great exercise and then number three we're going to take it a step further and we're going to say i want you to get honest with yourself and i want you to write down what is the next step that you need to do to create your miser system whatever that is is it opening the bank account? Is it talking to your husband? Is it looking at your, 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 your income statements? Like what's coming in? Is it, what is your next tiny step that you need to do to have to create that system? Is it downloading the spreadsheet? Okay. So three things we're going to say how much MICER we want to give this year. We're going to allocate it. We're going to say to where it's going to go. And we're going to write for ourselves, what's that next tiny step of action that I need to do to create a system? And what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to be raffling one person, either a $15 Amazon gift card or, or this is a good one. You can also send us the charity of your choice and we'll be making an $18 donation to that which I thought was really, really fun. So that's tomorrow. And everybody got this? Yes, I love that, Dania. Thank you for that point. It's going back to yesterday's conversation. Do not worry about the how. We're not talking about the how. How am I going to give this number? No, no, no. Put a number and divide it. Tell God how you would give that number. Like, what would you do? Don't worry about how it's going to come to you, okay? Just write it down. Yes. Yes, Lillian, it is different from tzedakah. I'm glad that you brought the question. We talked about it earlier today, right? Tzedakah is all-inclusive. Meiser is part of tzedakah. Tzedakah is giving anything that we give above Meiser is considered tzedakah. And tzedakah also includes our time, our energy, our talents, our other resources, okay? Meiser is that minimum fiduciary obligation that every Jewish individual has as a partner of God in creation, as a person who trusts and believes that, and that with full confidence and trust that everything that he's receiving, that all the financial blessings are really only coming from above, right? That I am a partner because you are the only source. There's nothing else. Yes. You like the homework? I know. I thought it was a great homework. Just do it. Yes. Hannah Victoria. Okay. The winner the winner of today's homework raffle, I don't know if you're here. Is she here? I don't know. Is Sandy Moskowitz. Sandy Moskowitz, you're the winner. Be in touch with Justina. Justina's going to tag you. Be in touch with you. She'll DM you get to get in touch with you to get you your gift. And you get to pick what we had to get. We have this super cute journal from Leah Mandel. I hope Leah Mandel is here because you make the cutest things and we're so happy to to 
promote your work um, or a gift card. So be in touch with Sandy, Mazels of Sandy. Everybody's super clear on the homework. We are going to have such a great day tomorrow. I want you all back here tomorrow. I love this conversation. Tag me if you have any questions. Happy to answer. This is definitely a meaty topic, but a so important topic. It's one of my favorite topics. Again, Jewish secret. We have to be givers. We have to be givers in the right Jewish way. And that begins with Meister. So we're going to implement it. And it starts with today's homework. I love you all. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Take care. Hit me up on the DMs if you need to or tag me and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.